0: up here because when I look out, I think some of you are playing Temple Run uh, whenever I'm talking to y'all, but uh, one of my favorite things about a smartphone, and I'm borrowing my daughter, so yes, Jane, I'm going to give it back, is uh, the applications that are on smartphones. Uh, some of my favorite ones, I have one on there called Calorie King, and uh, which is how I stay so trim. Uh, but I look at Calorie King to find out how many carbs I'm getting ready to eat and then one of my favorite ones is whenever I am traveling I have the maps one. I'm sure that some of you use that one and so you can you can find out what directions you need to go in and then of course Temple Run is a, a great one that I like to play in order to hone my here you go Janie, in order to hone my skills, my hand-eye coordination but there's some great things about, about smartphones, they're neat and in many ways, they can give us an answer for a lot of the things in life, you know, that we're looking for. They can actually give us direction. But my hope as we begin a new series of messages over the next couple of months is that we're going to find out that not, not all of life's answers, believe it or not, are, they're not found on your phone. And which is, can be surprising to some people as much as some people use them. Uh, just this past Christmas, we, Emily got her very first smartphone, and we have not talked ever since then. But, you know, smartphones, are, they can be kind of neat, but I want us to see today that, that if you're looking for, for answers in life, if you're looking for direction and guidance, the best place that you can look is in Scripture to find out what God has to say to us. You see, as we look into Scripture, what we discover is that God has a plan for people. And we discover that God loves people. And we discover that God has the best intentions in mind for man. And yet a lot of us don't know it because we don't spend a whole lot of time taking a look at what Scripture has to say to us. Now, it's one thing to have knowledge about some things. But just like the video said, application is everything. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see Jesus share with a large crowd the importance of applying God's word to your life. And he gives us a real vivid picture of of what it's like when somebody builds their life and applies the word of God to their life as opposed to a person who doesn't. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to look with me in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, We're going to look in verse number 24. Many of you are going to be familiar with this passage of Scripture, but Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. And when you get there, this is a part or the ending part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, when Jesus gave this sermon, he was in northern Israel, standing on, uh, standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And thousands of people gathered there in order to hear him teach. Uh, He was an incredible teacher, they knew that Jesus was able to perform miracles and so they went there to see Jesus. But as Jesus was teaching, it's here that Jesus shared with them a very important message. You see, Jesus told the people that there would be a day in their lives when the very foundation of their lives would be tested. And so he wanted to make sure that whenever the storms of life came up against them, that they would be able to stand firm that they wouldn't be blown over by the storms that would come their way and he began to teach them how they could navigate through life how they could manage through life and, and what it comes down to as we look at this text is it comes down to application not just knowledge, not just knowing hey I know a few verses in the Bible but applying what God's word says and so today I'd just like for us to take a look at a few keys of application that can set us on the path that God has in store for his people. And so the very first key to application that we see Jesus give us today is a willingness to hear. If we're going to apply what God's word says, it all begins with us having a listening ear, being willing to hear what God says. Now I want you to look what Jesus said in verse 24. He said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. Now Jesus was speaking to a largely Jewish crowd in northern Israel. And this crowd of people, they would have been very well versed in religion. You have to remember that during this day in Israel, the real leaders of the people were the religious leaders. They were the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes and the Pharisees, what they, what they were doing is they were trying to direct people to, towards what God had to say. Uh, they were trying to direct them towards rules and regulations and to pay attention to what scripture said. And I said, well why is, why is the Bible so important? You know, why would they point people to a book? Well the reason why is because this book is made up of the words of God. We're told in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says all scripture is inspired. And that word inspired, it means to be God-breathed. And so basically what that is saying is that what you see in Scripture, it is like it is coming out of the mouth of God. And so that's why we find Scripture to be so important, because it is considered to be the very Word of God. Now sometimes we look at the Bible and we say, well, I'm sure that this is a great book, you know, for people that lived 2,000 years ago. But surely it doesn't have anything to say to us today. But what you discover as you begin to look into, into God's Word is that God's principles and God's desires for us to apply them, man, they're good for all time. Now, they still speak to us today. That's why Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. It's why the Bible tells us that, that God's words are so important and meaningful to our lives that we're not supposed to add anything to them or take anything away from what God's Word says Proverbs 36 says don't add to his words or he will rebuke you and you will be proved a liar now just for personal stories here I I see this happening all the time I see there's a lot of people who, who look at God's Word and they say this book is important but there's certain parts that that I like better than other parts and I don't know if you're that way. I mean, I, that's how I am. I mean, there's some stuff I look at, and I, I like that part. And then I look at other parts, like the parts about, you know, judgment and and a conviction of sin. And I don't really like those parts a whole lot. And so what we can do, and what I see a lot of people do, is say, I'm going cherry pick, to cherry pick what I like out of the Bible. And I'm going to follow that. The stuff I don't like, I'm not going to follow that. I guess that, that doesn't make sense, because all Scripture comes from God, and so when we do that, we're basically saying we're God, that we get to decide what God what God means and what God wants from us. I can give you a couple of quick areas where we do this a lot. I see people do this all the time. I'll, I'll talk to a, a lot of people who are getting ready to get married, or people who are interested in getting married, and then we get to the issue of sex. And they'll begin to talk to me, and then they'll say, hey, you know, this is something that we think's okay for us. Now, we're not married yet, but we love each other. And then they'll go on and say, now, what do you think God wants us to do about how we can grow closer to him? And I'll say, well, I think for starters, it'd be really good to pay attention to what God says in this book, and then to actually do it. You know, just because you might not agree with what he has to say about sex doesn't mean that you have the right to say, well, I'm not going to follow that, and then expect God to bless your life. Now, on the other extreme of that, I see very religious people. And then they'll come, and I can give you some personal examples where people have come to me, and they say, you know, I'll tell you what, it really bothers me that that whenever you preach that you don't wear a tie. And I, y'all, then that's okay, whatever. My dad wears a tie, and I used to wear a tie, and I love all that stuff. But to make it a scriptural issue is kind of strange to me. And they'll say, and then whenever y'all play music, there's some music that y'all play that we don't like and we don't think you're doing it right. And then I'll try to talk to them and say, okay, that's, that's an opinion and that's fine, we're all different, but where in scripture are you coming from? And what I discover is that they can't find anywhere in scripture where they're coming from. Instead what they're doing is they're expressing an opinion. And they're sharing their word as being more important than God's word. You see, the key for us is to have a willingness to hear what God says. And if you're going to hear what God says, you have to look into Scripture. And sometimes it's tough to hear what God says. And I believe it's tough for me sometimes to hear what He says because God speaks truth. And sometimes my feelings don't line up with God's truth. I mean, there are times when God will give me his truth, and I don't like his truth because I like my own personal ways better. And so I can rebel against that. And our mantra today is, hey, you know, my my feelings are are natural, right? Yes. Well, I'm going to go with my gut. You know, I'm going to follow after my heart. And if I do that, then I can't go wrong. But, guys, let me tell you something. Your heart is not as pure and good as you think it is. I mean, listen what the Bible says. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? You know, if I, if I followed my feelings all the time, I'm here to tell you today, I would be in prison. I mean, I'd already be in jail. And so an essential part of a relationship with God, an essential part of living a life that God has for us is to hear what he has to say and it's not hard to figure out that it's really important for us to listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about and as a kid I remember watching commercials on TV and I remember one of them vividly and it was a bunch of people in a restaurant and they're sitting there talking and it's really loud and a lot of commotion and then one guy leans over and he says well E.F. Hutton says y'all remember that one and as soon as he said it what happens I mean, you can hear a pin drop. Everybody gets quiet and they begin to lean in because they know that E.F. Hutton knows what he's talking about. Well, the same idea is true concerning God. If we're going to find out how to journey through this life, it is important for us to pay attention to and to listen to the one who is in charge. The one who's in control. That's why Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine is a wise man who built his house upon a rock so when i look into our scripture i see the first key to application is a willingness to hear are you willing to hear but there's another there's another very important key to application and that is a willingness to act Now you have to have a willingness to hear, but then there's also a willingness on our part to act on what we hear. And I want to read you two verses, verse 24 and 26, again Jesus said, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. And then verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now it's always good to listen. It's always good to have knowledge about something, but but knowledge and listening really will not impact your life until you take what you hear and you act on it. Let, let me share with you one of the most frightening verses to me in all scripture. I mean, one that really it just sort of catches my attention every time. It's just a few verses up. It's in Matthew 7 21. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. When Jesus said this, you know who he's talking to? He's talking to religious people. I mean he's talking to people that were pretty good people, I'm sure. People who went to church, people who made professions that they were followers of God. But what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, hey listen, talk is cheap. You know what matters? It's not necessarily what you say, and those are good things. I mean, it's important that you speak well, but he says what's most important is what you do. First Corinthians 420 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. And another way of putting that is, hey, you know what, actions speak louder than words. And Folks, let me we, we believe, whether you recognize it or not, you believe this. I mean, if you're a parent, you, you really believe this. Uh, for those of you who, with kids, or have you, maybe your kids have all grown up, I'm sure you, you remember a time when you'd go into your kid's room and it's just an absolute pigsty. Right, Janie? I mean, just absolutely horrible and just really messy. And so you go in there and you begin to talk to your children. Hey, you need, to come, you need to clean up your room. And you need to clean it up before we eat lunch. And then so you, you leave and they've heard you. And then you go back right before lunch and you look at the room. And what does it look like? Man, it looks like a pigsty. And so you go in and you talk to your kid again. He say, did, did you not hear what I, told you to, what I told you to do? And your kids will tell you, I heard what you say," said. But then they begin to give excuses as to why they didn't do it. Now how can they rectify that situation? What does the kid have to do? He has to clean his room. He has to do what you told him to do. Now it's great that your kid heard you, but where you are impressed is when they do what you say. God's the same way. You know, God likes it when we hear Him, but He is impressed, He is pleased when we take what He says, and then we actually apply it. That's why Jesus said, the man who acts on what I say is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is in reference to building your life and your house on a solid foundation. That means a rock. Now, Now, what's so important about a solid foundation? For one, it's stable. You can know that whenever you build on it that it's going to stand. You want a solid foundation because there's going to be times whenever you know, the wind and the waves are going to blow against that house. Uh, when Jesus is speaking here, he's speaking in the region of where the Sea of Galilee is. And so there, there could be some crazy winds that would funnel down that would go right through the Sea of Galilee. So you want your house to be on a solid foundation built on rock so that when those winds come, it's not going to destroy your house. But if you don't build your house on a solid foundation, when those winds come, your your house is going to come crumbling down. Now, the point he's making here is not necessarily actual building. He's talking about building your life on his words, on what he teaches, on what he proposes for us. Because he says, when you build your life on me, you are building your life on a sturdy and solid foundation that will stand. I read, a, a, I think, a pretty good example of this. There were two boys that were playing, and they, were, they lived by a river, and they were running up and down sandbanks by the river. And whenever they came to one sandbank, the, the boys recognized quickly that they didn't have very solid footing, and they began to sink into the sand very quickly. It was like quicksand. And they went down very quickly, and they were not able to get out. Back at their house, their parents recognized that they were not home for dinner. And so the parents got together a search party, and they began to look for the boys. And as they were looking for the boys, they came to the riverbank and they saw one of their sons. He was up to his chest in sand and he was unconscious. The mother ran over to him and she was able to revive him. And she began to ask him, where's your brother? And he said, he's underneath me. He said, I'm standing on his shoulders. The older brother, what he did is he, he got below his brother so that his brother could stand on top of him so that he'd be able to breathe. And he literally gave his life that his brother might live. Now, guys, the brother would not have survived had he not been standing on a solid foundation. That is a picture of Jesus. See, what Jesus has done is he's come into the quicksand of life, and he gave himself as a sacrifice for us, and he tells us, you have to stand on me so that you can have a solid foundation, so that you can have life. Because if you don't stand upon me, then you are standing in quicksand. And so when I look in our text, I see that there's some important keys of application here. One is a willingness to hear. Two is a willingness to act, to put into practice what God says. And then the last application, the last key to application, is to have a willingness to trust. A willingness to trust, to trust what God says. Look in verse 25. It says, the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed and its collapse was great you know when it comes to trust that's a really difficult thing for us I think a lot of us struggle with trust because of past experiences I'm sure that there's some of you and there's people you really trust, there's people that you've really loved and then they ended up letting you down, and so you struggle in trusting anything anymore and and then for others of us, you know we're we're nervous that if we trust in something, well what if it what if what I'm trusting what if it doesn't come through? And so we get nervous about that. what if I make the wrong decision and I choose the wrong the wrong thing to trust in and so what we do is we say, well, I'm not going to trust in anything, and so we make a decision that we're not going to do anything now, if we do that concerning God. And say, I'm not going to trust in him. Because you're never going to experience the blessing and the joy that comes from placing your hope in Jesus. Now how did the man in our text demonstrate his trust in God? He built his life on him. He built his life on the solid rock. This is is speaking of Jesus. He built his life on the very Word of God. Now, it's one thing for us to talk a big talk, but guys, it is a totally different thing for us to begin to walk the walk. I can talk a good game, but where the rubber hits the road is whenever you look at my life to say, is he building his life on what Scripture teaches? Now, when Jesus is speaking here, again, he's talking to religious people. And when you look through the Bible, it's kind of scary. One group of people that Jesus really kind of hammers over and over again is religious people. You yeah, know, that's us. That's me. And he, he hammers them over and over again. And these people were, I'm sure they were pretty good people. You know, they, 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 they would, I'm sure they, that we know from the scripture that they tithe, they gave money to the church, they fasted, they prayed. They did a lot of good things. But the problem was they were doing all those things to get attention from other people. They're doing all those things so that people could look at him and go, man, did you see that guy over there? That guy's religious. That guy's a good guy. I mean, that guy's done a lot of good things. And so what they were doing is they were living for the glory of men instead of living for the glory of God. You know what Jesus said about that? It's like you're building your life on sand when you do that. When you live for the pleasure of men... You are building your life on sand that is temporary, it's not lasting. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Don't collect for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And we want to store up for ourselves treasures that have lasting value, that have eternal significance. And the only place where that's going to happen, the only place where you're going to find currency that's good for all time is in God's Word. But to do that requires us trusting that God is who he says he is. Trusting that God keeps the promises that you're going to find in this scripture. And coming to a place where you begin to understand God's word and his way is not just the best option for me. It is the only option for me. And that I'm going to seek to live my life the pleasure of God and not man. This was played out, in, I think, pretty well a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you know that a few weeks ago, um, uh, A&E, there was a huge blow-up with A&E Television Network with a guy named Phil Robertson for, you know, from Duck Dynasty. I know you all, all you guys watch this show. And so, so many people watch it. It's, as a matter of fact, it is like the, the most watched cable show in all of cable history. Now, I'm, for those of you who don't know about the show and who are living in a cave, um, Duck Dynasty is about a family in Louisiana. They sell, you know, They make what duck calls. And uh, so that's how they made their—that's how they made their fortune. But they're also a very religious family, very devout. You'll see them praying together. You see them sometimes going to church together. But Esquire magazine interviewed Phil Robertson, and whenever they interviewed him, you know, he was—he made the mistake of being honest. And so they asked him questions, and he talking. He talked about sin. And so he talked about what he believed about sin and how he'd been caught up in sin before and how God had given him freedom from it. And then he began to, t- and he moved on to other subjects and he began to talk about homosexuality and he believed that was outside of God's bounds. When that happened, A&E Network immediately suspended him. So he can't be on the show. It's very insensitive. Just went through this whole thing about the beliefs that he had. And I saw that. Of course, you know I'm the pastor, so you know this, some of the feelings I'm going to have. I was like, the hypocrisy of this whole thing drives me nuts. Because I've always heard, you know, from this is what the media always tells us. If you don't like it, then don't watch it, right? I mean, I go, okay, that sounds good. That works for everybody except for people like us. So that whole thing bothered me. But I, I thought what was interesting is that Phil Robertson, he didn't have to say those things. A matter of fact, he could have backtracked on what he said. And he would have gained the praise of, of media. He would have gained the praise of a ton of people. But his interest was not in pleasing men. His interest was being faithful and true to God. Now, we can try to be pleasing to men in all that we do, but Jesus tells us that doesn't really reap very good dividends. Jesus said this in Mark eight thirty six. He said, what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? The answer is pretty simple, not, not a whole lot. Now, it doesn't sound that difficult, does it? Just to be faithful to God. That doesn't sound difficult. Man, it's so hard. And it's, it's so difficult for us because what it comes down to is us trusting that God knows best. It comes down to us trusting that God's true to his word. It, it comes down to us trusting that it is worth more to follow God than to please man. Now, I'm like anybody else. Nobody likes to be the odd man out. Uh, we like it when everybody likes us. I don't like to be controversial. You know, I like it whenever I'm, I get to play golf with somebody and they don't ever ask me what I do for a living because I like to be normal, you know? I like to be just like everybody else. But guys, let me tell you something. If you live to gratify and please yourself, you will never be satisfied. It doesn't satisfy. I've seen people who've gone after more and more in life. I just want more and more stuff, and stuff's fun. I like stuff. It won't satisfy you. What, what happens when you get more? i tell you what happens. You want more. You are never satisfied when you are seeking to please just you. And, and you end up living in some kind of weird bondage. But whenever you trust God, here's what happens: you find freedom. Whenever you trust God, you find, you know what, that this life is it's not dependent upon upon how I act to please God, it's just that I'm just called to trust God and I trust that what he says is true and all the pressure's off me and it's all on him. Matthew six thirty three, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. It, it, not that all these things you, you've earned, these things are given to you by God. The pressure's on God to keep his word. Now, do you desire to experience the presence and the power of God in your life? I do. And if you're like me and you want to experience the presence and the power of God, let me tell you something. It comes down to application. It doesn't come down to knowledge. Knowledge is good, but power is found in application. And the key to application is a willingness to hear, a willingness to act, and a willingness to trust. Here's the question for us. Are you ready? You ready to do that? See, I really believe there's a lot of us who who are living in bondage today. We think we're in freedom. Yeah, I'm living for me. I'm doing what I want. But we're in this weird bondage. There are some of us who are in bondage to to get more stuff. Others of us are in in bondage to living to please me. And so we're, we're in bondage to addictions. We're in bondage to pornography. We're in bondage to money. We're in bondage to even doubt and fear. Yes, God did not intend you to live that way. And my hope for you is that you will trust God in His word. And that you'll trust it when Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. All of you, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I believe there's some of you today, you want freedom, application is everything. And I just want to challenge you today to come to Jesus in your prayer and say, Jesus, I am carrying around the weight of the world and I don't have freedom. But I want freedom in you.